This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk, the podcast. This week we are joined by two special guests, Pompey fans, Freddie Webb and Ben Wilcox. We also have Will Rooney joining us to give us his expert opinion on Pompey. And there's plenty to discuss from that Sunderland defeat, the Pompey's form, Kenny Jackett's future and of course Saturday's game at Wembley. I hope you enjoyed the listen. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. My name is Mark McMahon and joining me today for this special podcast, we've got Will Rooney as always from the Portsmouth News, but we've also introduced, we've also invited, sorry, two special guests, two fans who love this football club, love, love debating about it and just want to get involved in anything, Pompey. Um, we've got Freddie Webb and we've got Ben Welcome, lads. How are Thanks you? It's great to be here. Yes. How you how the press is at the moment? <laughs> um, I, th- I think bordering on apathetic after that last game, to be honest. Uh, it, it was unfortunately a bit inevitable what happened, but we'll go into that in more detail later, I assume. Yeah. Ben, are you? You, you not looking to switch allegiance to Southampton or anything? Oh, no. Moment? Obviously not, but no, it's, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because I often find that we we often bounce back, don't we, against the teams that we expect to lose to. So there was a part of me, a tiny little part of me, that thought, you know what, maybe we could pull it out of the bag against Sunderland yesterday. But no, more of the same. Um, left bitterly disappointed, to be honest. So yeah, but yeah. as as Ray said, we'll, we'll dig into it later, I'm sure. Yeah, and well, you're at the game last night. You had all that work to do on top of yeah. What? Disappointment, like so, and then the system crashing as well, and all that trouble. I believe you got woke up at half one in the morning with the print press saying saying there were troubles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it wasn't wasn't fun. Any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, um, but yeah, so a disappointing night, two 0 at home to Sunderland, a promotion rival, another kick in the teeth for Pompey's promotion. Um, aspirations. Well, what 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 was your reading at the end of the at the end of another disappointing night for Pompey? I think the thing I took out of the game the most was why wasn't the reaction after Northampton? How you know we we know how bad it was at Northampton. The players knew how bad it was. Um, the players must have felt rightly embarrassed about that performance. Um, something like that you expect them to be up for it. You expect them to think, right, we need to prove all the doubt is wrong because not many people fancy Pompey for, for automatic promotion, do they? even for promotion via the playoffs now. They should have been in that dressing room up for it, you know, from the get-go and even in the warm-up. Like, we, I was watching both warm-ups. Sunderland looked 10 times sharper. They looked at it. Pompey looked lethargic. They looked like they were going through the motions. And little and behold, that's what happened in the game. Um, not one shot on target all evening. That is poor for a side that brags all these attacking riches. 
no, you've got people like Carl Robinson coming out saying the strongest attacking lineup in the division. Didn't look like that to me. Didn't look like that to me whatsoever. Kenny Jack had, again asked to mix up his sides. Again, seen no tangible, tangible improvements whatsoever. No attack and cohesion. No guile. The only one he really has a goal is Ryan Williams. But we all know that for all the endeavour he gives, there's not a lot of end product. Um, regardless, he was he was the best of them. John Mark was again for a player who's coming for near on a million pounds, has two big chances, doesn't take them, doesn't connect to either of them. Ellis Harrison doesn't even look like he's scoring, does he? I know he's a focal point, but people used to get on Ollie Hawkins' back because he didn't score enough goals, but at least he got at least he got the chances. At least you always used to see him heads wide or head too near to the keeper. Harrison, when was the last time he had a decent attempt on goal? Probably Charlton, that, that one where it was stopped on the line. Um, on the left, Harvey White. I felt sorry for Harvey White because he's not a left winger, is he? Um, he's thrown in there, pigeonholed in there. Uh, she wants to beg your pardon, he's not a left winger. And then the goals are just two errors from Sean Moraga. Culpable, maybe the second one, Andy Cannon as well, is, is partly to blame. But the first one, White gets a run on him too easy. The second one doesn't sort his feet out. And now I've just written there, Pompey, admired in a, in a in a battle for six spot now six spots <laughs> we're going back to Jacket's first season here when they were pushing for six spots at this stage of the season and I'm sure we'll come on to it but Pompey out of league action on Saturday they could plummet down to the tenth if if results around them don't go the way so it's really really grim at the minute and with 13 games to go uh it's hard to see things improving. No, Kenny Jack, I keep saying, we just got to keep believing, etc. But they need a spark, they need a catalyst. And you can't see that coming. Maybe Michael Jacobs might give them that. But apart from that, I just can't see why things will change. Freddie, where do you think it went wrong on Tuesday night? Ooh, where do we start? Um, as Will said earlier, the players that like, are going through emotions, especially from the first goal, after the first goal from the from the corner, the players looked leggy already. And when there's no, and when and we see it before, when there's no movement off the ball in midfield or on the or, or on the sides, it's always the direct ball either to the striker or the winger, which obviously you can do sometimes, but if that is your entire if if that's your entire um attacking approach at all times, then then it doesn't work. It's easily found out. I knew exactly where a lot of Portsmouth play plays were happening. Before, before they did. And if I could do that, then the Sunderland players could have done as well. I think the midfield, especially for me, was incredibly before the centre of midfield. Portsmouth couldn't control the centre of midfield throughout the entire of that game. So Sunderland players such as Scoen and Winchester could just pass it around fairly easily without a lot of pressure. And they just controlled the game through that, essentially. And any problems with the formation in your eyes? Would you... Would... Did Jacket get it right? Obviously he didn't like, but was there any any glaring missing anybody glaringly missing there that should have been starting? Well, yeah, I, don't, I feel that the the nature of the formation that was chosen, you know, kind of rigid four four two, what it did is it created it created a formation where 
the players were kind of just tempted to pass sideways. It was just everything was sideways. And there was no kind of dynamism. There's no one looking to find pockets, you know, just in front of their back, uh, back four and find thread those passes through. We obviously, you know, Will spoke about one of Marcus's big misses in the first half where he, you know, failed to connect with the ball. But that came from one moment where, you know, Williams managed to cut inside and find mm-hmm. that kind of angled ball through, which is exactly what we needed. And I feel that the, you know, I have, I have heard, you know, certain individuals say that they want us to resort back to a back four and, and then play four four two as well. Um, sorry, back, back to a kind of four in midfield. But my, my issue is that with Jacket's whole philosophy or mentality, and I, I feel that he is a, a relatively safe manager, um, in the way that he, he, you know, he deploys the formations and things. I feel if you've got a safe manager with a safe philosophy and you go for a safe formation in a four-four-two, you're just asking for trouble because there's just sideways passing, no one really looking to take the initiative and and drive the attacks forward. Um, and when you're letting in, you know, the other glaring thing from the Sunderland game, as we've been become accustomed to, unfortunately, in recent times, is a lack of organisation from set pieces and individual errors that are costing us goals. So. Yeah, that, that, that was kind of what I took from the game, unfortunately. When you say 4-4-2, has Pompey's best form this season not been in that 4-4-2 formation? Or is that people being a wee bit naive and it's not essentially a 4-4-2? No, I, th- I, think, I think that it is. I mean, obviously, in most 4-4-2s, you have a, a, one of the two strikers dropping in and kind of, um, you know, creating from, from there. But I feel that, ob- obviously, it goes without saying, and, and everyone can see this abundantly, is that we're a team that plays well when we're confident. We're a team that plays well when we, we feel like we're, we're excelling and we're doing well. And obviously at the moment, confidence, I can't remember a time where confidence has been lower. So the issue with playing, a, when you're playing a 4-4-2 and you're confident, it's the direct style of football. So you're, you're more tempted to make those direct passes and, and kind of take more risks, you know, ping it into one of the, one of the uh, top strikers at the top of the pitch and get them passing it around or, um, you know, or finding the, the flanks and the wingers and, and, and getting them involved. Obviously, when you're lacking confidence and you play a four-four-two, and it's rigid, it, all it does is it, it enables the, um, the the players or, or tempts the players, I guess, to play a little bit more conservatively, pass it sideways across the back four, and you've got really no no attacking potency whatsoever. Well, this may be a bit of a loaded question for you, but. Was Pompey's first mistake on the night the forwards that they chose, John Marcus and Ellis Harrison, two players just not in top form whatsoever? Not in top form. I, I've never been convinced when they played together either. Um, I know there was a period last season when Marquez played in 10, bizarrely. That's another topic we could get onto and talk about. But <laughs> I, I don't think they've ever worked as a cohesive strike partnership. Neither of them are blessed with a lot of pace, are he? You know, um, Harrison's not fairly quick, but he's not rapid, is he? They're both, I don't want to say similar, but Marquez doesn't do a lot when he's not on, when he's not getting chances. And Harrison, his hold of play isn't good enough and he's not bringing Marquez into the game enough of late. I, I just think they've never worked together for me. Um, I think the fact should have took a risk that the will go after his lively at, at Northampton or or put even Harness back up there and give him a go back up there because we all know what he could do at the start of the season. But for me, Harrison and Marquez, 
I don't know about you lads, because people fans were obviously clamouring for it last season, but what do you think about that strike partnership? Is it, has it it's failed never to convince worked. you two? It's never worked when I've seen it. I, I think... Um, yeah, Harrison, Harrison's link-up players struggles and they just don't seem to know where each other are. If you think about famous ports of partnerships up front, like Walsh and Wigan, for example, they always knew where each other were every single time. And I thought, uh, you mentioned Harness playing up front earlier in the season. I thought that pairing was the best that Ports have tried mm-hmm. when they played the 4-4-2. Yeah, and, that, and that added so much. It was the fact that that version of the 4-4-2 the two strikers and the two wingers, they both pressed incredibly hard all most of the game. And that and that created mistakes from the opposition. And that's where they got their chances from. Here, the wingers don't press enough. And I don't I don't think Harrison's a bad player, but whenever whenever he plays in this Portsmouth side, um the side altogether plays worse because they play more direct and it doesn't fit the rest of the players. If you if you're going for the long ball to Harrison all the time, it's easy to defend against. And then you could see Marquis; he was furious after about 20 minutes due to the lack of um, opportunities he got before he got that through ball to Ryan Williams. That he 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 um he did, he definitely thrived on that when he was at Doncaster. Those through balls to feet and where he'd run up on and get the leg on the last defender, and he's just not getting those opportunities. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I agree that. Harness and Marquis is probably the best we've best we've seen. And for me, what I put that down to is the fact that Marquis thinks like a mid. Um, sorry, not Marquis. Ha- um, Harness thinks like a midfielder. So he he is a midfielder that we're putting in those in the, in that kind of attacking front too. And therefore he he understands when he needs to drop deep, get on the ball, drive forward, find those runs in behind. Um, and and unfortunately, when you've got Marquis and Harrison. I think the main issue why they don't work well together is they both want to be that focal target man. Um, and the, the, the issue with that is then you're kind of resorting back to a formation that, you know, arguably had its day after the, the 1980s, 1990s with two massive centre forwards up top. I'm not saying Harrison was obviously massive. You know what I mean? That kind of p- pumping it in, lock, knocking a ball long. And really, that's why we all get frustrated as fans because when he plays two cent- like target men, we just see jacket ball which is just lump the ball up long hope for the best and then you know and then go from there so I much prefer it when we play the 4-4-2 and operate with a kind of player picking up those gaps in between their holding midfield and their um, and their centre halves and really trying to make something happen from there I didn't think Williams Williams when he was paired with Marcus was good as well back when that that pairing was tried it was just, I, I just don't think the target. I think it's the target man that's the, the, in Harrison that's the main issue for this side. I think. Well, it's not even as that the Sunderland defence was their first choice defence. They had Max Parr playing at right back. They mm-hmm. had nine playing as a centre half, and then I was doing a bit of a watch along with some Sunderland fans last night, and they were talking about Luke O'Nine and Dion Sanderson. Pompey made them look like world class defenders. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's he did. Not that they didn't even struggle. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair to Sanderson, I think he has done well. I think he's attracted some um, some Premier League interest and Championship interest while he's been Sunderland. Um, but as you say, Luke O'Nan's a player. I think I think every football fan in League One has a lot of admiration for him. Very versatile, but he's never a centre back, is he? He's not a centre back. You didn't even see if you're going to play along. Why didn't Harrison go and get on O'Nan and make a nuisance of himself on O'Nan? 
um, because for all his qualities, he's probably not the most early robust. Again, Max Power, another player who's you know a solid, solid League One player, but he's a centre midfielder, and yeah. Harvey White's not a, a Maisie Marauder and left midfielder, is he? Effectively, you've got a ball playing left midfielder, and it comes back to to the point that the Ben was saying that that's why it was going backwards and sideways because. He's not the type of person who can get at someone one on one and put the living daylight up him. Um, even Charlie Daniels then didn't, you know, obviously White normally comes naturally comes inside a little bit. Daniels didn't get forwards all that much. I've been disappointing actually, Charlie Daniels, since he's arrived. Put a couple of Bailey crosses in, but not once did you see Pompey get to the byline and cut it back for anyone. That's when. That's when. It, it's really hard to defend against light bands. When you get it to the byline and you put it across, put it in that corridor of uncertainty between the keeper and the defence and tell someone to go and attack it. They didn't do that once, did they, Pompey? Um, which was disappointing again. Another, another string to the bowl that's gone missing lately. Lads, do you think Pompey are a bit hard done by with two, two key decisions last night in the second half? One, McGeady's foul in the build-up to... The, the regular mistake, and then there was a bit of a penalty appeal as well. I think it was Jacobs, was Jacobs hacked down. Were Pompey a wee bit unfortunate in both instances? I mean, I thought the, I thought the McGeady foul, the, the ref missing that was unlucky, I thought, because it definitely was a foul, in my opinion. But if we're splitting hairs about, uh, usually 95% of games when your team plays, it's not the refereeing decisions that go against you to decide the game. It's how you played in the first place. I don't think Portsmouth... If both of those situations happened, I still don't think Portsmouth would have won that game anyway due to the way they played. Yes, it was a bit unlucky, but it's not not the big talking point here for me. Yeah, likewise. I mean, you know, for me, the foul on Williams was a foul. Um, you know, I think he even came out after the game, didn't he, and Williams and said that apparently Aidan McGeady had said to him that it was a foul. So. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Thanks, Will. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's it's evident that that's how they were feeling. But for me, there were five, six, seven errors or you know reasons why the goal stood afterwards. So, you know, we were in the we were in the attacking half. There should be no. We shouldn't have lost that goal because there was a foul on one of our players in the attacking half. We lost the goal because we didn't defend well enough. It's as simple as that. So yeah, you can you can evaluate certain refereeing decisions and say, oh well, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have conceded. But the reality of the situation is, it just wasn't good enough, was it? Well, at what point do you look at Sean Raggett and think, you know what, we need to take you out of the team? There's been a few clangers um, this past few games. Culpable probably for both goals last night. Didn't pick up Charlie White for the corner. Then obviously that glaring error in the build up to the second goal. Is it time to give Ragged a wee bit of a rest and refocus? Well, he started every league game and obviously Jacket likes him, doesn't he? He's that head to kick a defender that Jacket always wants. But as you say, Bristol Rovers, he was culpable for a couple and now he was culpable for both. How can you drop, say, Nicol Ison on the back of his mistakes at, at Northampton? Maybe... That's why Watmore didn't get back into the team after he'd come back from suspension because um, maybe Jack had had Hulstall in his mind when he scored two on goals, albeit they were, they were difficult to 
to get out of the way of both of them. But now, if you, if you if you're dropping players on individual mistakes, then surely you, you've got to look at look at Raggett. He's obviously not everyone's cup of tea. He's not the most cultured defender, is he? Let's be frank. He's been solid the first half of the season, but he hasn't been of late. He, well, he has been, but he's been he's, he's prone to errors, and every player is prone to errors. But perhaps perhaps he's just jaded a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, you know, but but then is is Nicolaisen better? If you bring Nicolaisen in, is he going to improve things? He hasn't been as impressive as many many falls he might have been. Has he? Um, is but then if you bring Nicolaisen in, his distribution is better. What more's not bad on the ball? Does that Pompey? Does that make Pompey play through the field a little bit more? Because Raggett does have a tendency to to go long, doesn't he? When when he maybe doesn't need to at times. I definitely think Ragger needs a rest. Um, playing every single league game, he must be at least jaded, especially with the amount of Saturday-Tuesday games that are going on. And he's definitely got strengths. He's not He's not a bad centre-half. He, he's definitely good at dealing with crosses and man-marking off the ball. But I, I always find there's always... The, the errors don't make up for all those strengths for me. And it, on that left-hand side, Portsmouth look very weak. With Charlie Daniels and Sean Raggett on that right-hand side, if you have a pacey winger going at them, I don't have much hope that they'll be able to defend against that just because of the defenders that they are. Um, I would love to see Sean Rasmus Nicolaisen pairing with Watmore. As both of them are comfortable on the ball, if they play through the midfield a bit better, it gives us more options going forward. And they're both defensively responsible enough. Yeah, I know Nicolaisen hasn't... seemed like a prodigy when he first turned up but he's he's moved to the UK for the first time and he's and a lot in his personal life has gone on as well with his kids so it hasn't been, it hasn't been the easiest time easiest settling in period but yeah I would definitely give Raga a rest um simply and I, in the long term I don't think the errors um I think the errors overtake all of his strengths I think I don't think either of them are you know, particularly better than the other. I think they, you know, obviously not cut from the same cloth. They have different strengths. As Will said, you know, Nicolaisen's, I think, better on the ball. He's more comfortable. Um, if we were looking to contain possession more frequently and, and, and perhaps push through, the through you know, um, through into the midfield, he'd be a better selection. My issue with, and, and Will alluded to it, with dropping players on individual mistakes, I don't think that's the correct way to run a defence. I think if you're if you're dropping if you're basically establishing a culture within a football club where you're going to be dropping defenders based on individual mistakes as opposed to general performances, I think if anything it just it kind of tempts them or it makes them play with more nerves with mm. with um, with more kind of with less freedom and and ultimately they feel as though they that they don't have the manager's confidence and I think whether we drop Raggett from here or we uh, or we you know keep him in the side I think there's got to be a, a direct conversation with the the three centre halves that we're talking about what more Nicolaisen and Raggett as what is Jacket's plan moving forward he's got to be vocal with them because really you can't you can't be playing at the weekend get to half time feel like you've had a great performance and then kind of still go out there feeling well I've got 45 minutes left and if I if I make a mistake in the next 45 that's me done for the Tuesday so that's kind of how I feel but but I appreciate you've got to rotate the squad right in this difficult season with all the congestion and everything I do understand that I just feel I, I personally I'm always a fan of a 
of a, certainly a centre-half pairing that, that kind of lasts a distance in a season? Well, do you think there's, like Ben's mentioned there, you need a wee bit of rotation, but is there too much rotation going on at the minute? Like four changes last night, four for Northampton. I'm no starter when it comes to this type of thing, but there has been quite a, a few changes, definitely in attacking areas, but is, is, you get the impression Jackets wanting to stumble across a formation or a lineup that actually will pull out a result out of the, the hat and then he'll he can go with it for a few weeks. Is there too much of it going on? <laughs> like has hardly not changed after Sassley, could he? He would have been he would have been lynched if he had, if he's damned if he do, damned if he didn't. Um it's quite clearly, you know, he is scrambling around, I agree, for his for for, for a winning formula. And there's people saying, Oh, why didn't he just play the team that was winning all those games for Christmas. Well, a lot of them have dropped considerably. Well, their form has plummeted. Harness plummeted. Curtis dropped massively. Um, Williams, not the same. Marquez, by that spell, hasn't been good enough. Jacobs, obviously, has a big injury. Naylor, Naylor as well. Cannon, yeah. even. Cannon's perhaps not having the same influences as he did, although I thought he, he was probably about man of the match against against Sunderland. That's the problem. It, it, a lot of people have dropped form and there's only so many players you can go to. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people are saying it and I agree. There's one player who, whose form hasn't had a chance to tip and that's Jordi Hawula. <laughs> I, I don't think George Byers has had enough chance either. No, I agree. But the only thing, I agree, I, I agree with Byers and he looks all right in the Northampton. But the only thing you say with Byers is the two games he started, the two games they've got beat against lowly opposition as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I agree with Byers. He's coming as a championship midfielder, um, helps Swansea nearly get promoted to the Premier League last season, and, and he's not getting a game. He was fit last night, he couldn't even get in squads. You, you lads must have been baffled by that. Yeah, that. That was very strange. The fact that there wasn't a a fit centre midfielder on the bench when you're when you're playing white on the on the wing and the amount of games that Cannon has played, he, he I wasn't surprised he did his hamstring when he was coming off. He looked absolutely mm. spent. He looked spent. So I don't see why they were why buyers couldn't even make the bench. There might be something more with that. Yeah, I'm conscious of time, lad. So I'm going to change um, lines of question at, the, at this moment in time and, and really focus there on just getting your thoughts on Kenny Jackett's situation. There's obviously a lot of speculation, especially after the Northampton game in particular, just the nature of that defeat. But where do you stand on, on Kenny Jackett's Pompey future? I'll go to you, Ben, first this time. Yeah, sure. So, obviously, it goes without saying that Jackett's future is in, in quite a bit of jeopardy. Um, in terms of how, how I feel, um, I, I personally feel that Jacket has had his opportunity to get us into the next division. Um, and and I think that we could be a more exciting football club to watch without him. However, now is not the correct time to let him go, in my opinion. I, I believe it would it would have... And, and Will's look, Will is looking at me. You must be one of the very few people of fans. Can I, I, can't, I can't flabbergast no, this. I don't no, think there are any out there. Well, no, <laughs> no, listen, listen. Because I, I, can be, I can be sometimes overly methodical with my, with my thought process. Obviously, obviously, part of being a fan is, is, is throwing your heart in it. And if I was to vote with my heart, I'd, I'd throw Jacket out you know, and, and, and never look back. But you have the thing is you have to look at you have to look at the situation 
as it is currently. I mentioned earlier in that Jacket is a safe manager. Um, he's he's safe. He was a safe appointment. He was he's safe in terms of his team style, bordering on relatively dull. And he's even he's even safe with the press, right? In in terms of what he says. So, in many in many respects, if we were to throw him out now. Who, the, the question really, and if you, if, if you have an answer to this, then go for it, but it's who we would bring in. Likely it would be a caretaker appointment, right? And then that completely, it takes out the, the yeah, it takes out the, the oh, I feel like I've lost, I lost my words. Basically, it's, it, relies on, it relies on good fortune, basically. You know, in the sense, if you bring in a caretaker manager, you're all completely rolling the dice, right? You could get the new manager bounce, or it will completely deconstruct the playbook and, and basically we end up, you know, throwing it away. Basically, it depends on, as a fan, do you feel this season is over? I think that's where it lies. If you're in the camp of this season is over, we are absolutely not making the playoffs and, and we're going to teeter and plummet completely down the league, then you might as well throw in the towel with a jacket, get someone in and just see if we can take a final crack at it. If you actually look at the league position, though, um, and yes, it's, it's not even in our hands anymore, uh, regrettably. But we are still in a, in a, in a um, playoff spot. We are still in the playoff spot. And the, the reality of the situation is Jacket has the capability to get us into the playoffs. My biggest problem with Jacket is his, st- his safe style does not suit playoffs whatsoever. That's the biggest problem. And we saw this last year. We've seen this years and years before. If you have a safe manager, it works well, in my opinion, over a long period of time. Okay? So if you, you take a long season, yes, you're going to lose certain games, certain head-to-head matchups. But over the season, if you, if you get it right, a safe style can work. The problem is, as soon as you get into the playoffs, there are so many extra factors involved that you are literally wanting a manager who is able to win one game or, or, or a two-legged tie, basically, and it becomes so much more intense. You think of play, you think of managers like Mourinho, right? He's the complete opposite. He's always lauded for his kind of one-on-one-match, you know, preparation and being able to win one game. But you know, he has been criticised in the past for doing it consistently over a season. And that's the thing for me. If Jacket's if Jacket is to get us up, he's going to get us up in an automatic spot. He's not going to get us up in the playoffs. Um, but is he, is he, should he be given that one final run out of the season to try and do that? That's, 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 that is open for debate. And I, and I would say right now, as, as cautious and as, you know, perhaps ridiculously stupid as, as Will might be thinking that it is, I feel, I feel that it's, it's too big of a risk. I don't think it's stupid. I just didn't think there were any fans out there who were still behind. Freddie, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Uh, the season's done if they keep Kenny Jackie. I'm sorry. I think this dip just seems so much different to the other dips that we've had. Bear in mind the, play- the players don't seem to be as focused as they were. I think there's a lot, potentially a lot going on in the dressing room since Mark Catlin basically said the wages will be reduced next season. Since that article that was published, they've had one win in seven and scored four goals from open play and the scoring chances have dried up and the individual errors keep happening. Personally, you may as well go for the caretaker manager just to roll the dice and see if Portsmouth can get promoted on a new manager bounce. You might as well. I think at the moment the season's pretty much done if they keep Kenny Jacket. There's no way they're staying in the playoffs. I'm still surprised they're in the playoffs in the first place by one point or whatever it is. 
So yeah, I, um, I, I think it's done. The uh, philosophy that got uh, ports of those wins in before December has been binned. And without that, um, the tactical setup isn't getting the best out of the players and the individual performances aren't pushing them over the line either. Yeah. I want to, well, I want to throw in, Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I just want to throw in, I'll just throw in a disclaimer that I will be a much happier Port Pompey fan when Jacket's out. I will be a happier <laughs> fan. I'm not, I'm, I'm trying Defending to, yourself I'm, here. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to show the, 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 the two different sides of my, of, of how I'm feeling in effect. Um, and yes, while it's easy to just say Jacket out in week time, you've got to think of the ramifications of that, right? And it's, it's interesting hearing Freddie's thoughts because Freddie feels like it is the time to roll the dice um there's there are still there are still reservations I have in terms of that but maybe I just need to I, I you know if I if I were the board of um you know if I were the Pompey board and I was in charge maybe I should I should be at the stage where I'm thinking right I've got to roll the dice and I should stop being safe and cowardly problem is now that you've got to think about goal um I'm conscious of time here who do you get in yeah. Who do you get in? You can't get anyone in from the academy. Liam Daish hasn't managed for how long going in on the level. Sean O'Driscoll, okay, he's got a success in the past. He is not charismatic. These players need a lift. So you go in and you get someone without a job. Well, who's one going to want to come in and say, right, you've got 13 games? <laughs> There's not many people. I'm, I'm, uh, people clamouring for the Cowleys. A, the balls of jacketball. They play a similar style. And B, why are they going to... They might not be a, a long-term solution that the artist has won, so why are they going to come in for 13 games? It's it's easier said than done, this, getting a new manager, and that's the only thing that you've got to be conscious about. That's the, the, It's not football manager like people think it is. There are yeah, a lot of things yeah. to think about. Okay, change the tax slightly here. I, know I am really conscious of the time. Uh, has it got to the point where even Kenny Jagger maybe resigns and realises himself that he's not going to take this team any further? No, he's not going to resign. <laughs> Why would he? He's got, he's got, if he doesn't get the ports of promoted, he's got three months left on this contract and then that's it. Why would he? And I think he probably, he probably believes he can get the best out of this team. Yeah, I think as well, you know, the fact that we've seen before that Jacket's incredibly um, strong-willed, strong-minded when it comes to his, his, um, his style and things. So, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty conscious that, uh, or you know, pretty um, confident, sorry, that he won't resign. Um, I think it's, it's he's either, either going to be shown the door or he's going to show himself the door. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, turning to Saturday's game against Salford at Wembley, um, I have to admit, well, we have our opinions on the sports day <laughs> about this game. I want to get Freddie and Ben's opinions. Do you actually care about this game on Saturday? Well, I was one of the few people actually boycotted the previous EFL Trophy Finals because of the <laughs> Championship and Premier League B team stuff. So I, d- I don't care about this game much, but it'll be yeah, I could see it as a confidence boost to the players if they win the game. So as I'm looking at it that way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel it's a perfect opportunity to to kind of get things back on track and try and, you know, almost have a free hit at a game um, whilst... Uh, whilst obviously focus it, being able to kind of regain form for the league. I think it's important to mention as well that having a final before and leading up to what could potentially be the playoffs. I mean, I know Freddie thinks that we're, no, we're never going to get there, but if we, you know, if we, by some miracle, we do still stay in there, I think having that kind of final mentality experience will be useful. But to your question, am I going to be jumping up and down with Glee if we win it? No, 
no, it's we, 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 there are far bigger problems at the football club for me right now to care about. Uh, yeah. Um, Do we have a confidence for Peterborough next Tuesday night, Ipswich, whatever, whatever is up next there? Yeah, we need for me. We need to build rhythm and, and momentum, and any for any form of that. It doesn't matter for me who the opposition is. We need to build some form of momentum. I also want to tell him, sit, see him take a risk. For me, that's the most important thing. He, you know, and I'm not. I don't. I don't mean risks in terms of team selection. Like I, I, I don't really feel like there's a huge, huge. And you want to change, honestly, and you want to change your philosophy and mentality, and give give the give the players an opportunity because you got to remember as well, a lot lots of these players. This will be the one chance they'll get at a, at a final of something and to win a piece of silverware. So, you know, to give them to give them that opportunity to go out there and and show what they can do and and have and and try and win something for Pompey and and, and have the opportunity at Wembley. Hopefully that can inspire some element of belief that we've just been so you know, clearly lacking in the last few weeks. Freddie, your thoughts? I think in terms of squad selection, you could do a half and half measure. Um, I don't think you need to play exactly the first team due to the amount of games that they're building up. But I don't think it's the sort of game you need to play the entire kids' youth team either. I think keep the spine of the team, but add some players who haven't played a lot this season, who are buyers. Uh, I'd play White as well. If Monogas fit, I'd like to see him at right back. Just change some things and give them and give them the give them the opportunity to think. Well, if I play really well in this game, I could take a first team spot now because pretty much every single first team spot is up for grabs now. Do you think it's fair the likes of? You think sorry? Do you think it's fair the likes of Lee Brown or who else is there? Roland Curtis, um, Andy Cannon. If he's fit, that you automatically turn around the Daniels White and. And, and George Byers here. Where he's go? Here's a Wembley final for you. When it's those guys that have actually got Pompey there in the first mm. place. It's tough, isn't it? But then, but then again, they haven't played every single game before that either, because Portsmouth did a full did full rotation, like they usually do. They did full rotations in the side until yeah. the semi final. So I don't I, I don't think they would mind. But again, I think a half and half measure is probably the best way of managing it. Mm. Well, you know Kenny Jaggett better than any of us here, to be honest. What, what do you think his strategy will be? I think Bennett, the nail on the head. Um, they need confidence, and that's what Jack has done before. He's always said wins breed confidence. <sighs> He'll go full strength, 100%. I've got no doubt about it. Um, in fact, he's confirmed that um, to Neil last night when he asked him about it, which appeared on the website tomorrow morning. He's going full strength, like which... It's not a shock, is it? You've got to you've got to get some confidence into this team. Was I go full strength? Probably not. Um, what are you are you going to get a lot out of this game? Are you going to get a lot out of beating League Two Salford? I know they're up there and they've got a, they have got a good side, like it's obviously money spinning Salford as as we all know. But is it really going to breed confidence? Is it going to really galvanise? Think yeah, you know what? We can go and you can go and win the you can go and win the playoffs now. If the, if it was in front of a crowd, maybe if you had fifty odd thousand Pompey fans there, maybe you get that buzz and you think, right, this needs to be the turning point. But it's just gonna. I think if it was if it was me, it'd just be different, wouldn't it? Even Wembley, 
90,000-seater stadium. You lift the cup and then what? You can't even go for a drink after it, can you? What do you do? Win the trophy, go back home, get on the coach, go back home. I think the only thing I'm worried about is what. think about what happens if Portsmouth lose that game. Well, I was going to say they they, they 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 lose to a League Two side. It's not even a traditional League Two side either. They lose to a League Two side at Wembley, and that could kill off the morale completely if they do. Uh, that. Yeah, I agree with you though. Half and half, they should have enough to beat to beat Salford if they do make the changes. I.e., Bias is going to come in, isn't he? Um, perhaps give Jacob to start. It's an ideal, maybe an ideal game to to get him back fit. Um, a Wheeler as well. These are these are bad players. Are as you say? There's no need to take a risk because these are bad. It's not like as you say thrown in. Harry Cavanagh or Harvey Rue or Alfie Stanley, these are established League One footballers you'd be playing. So I'd have, I'd have no qualms with that. But it's just a joke, isn't it? This whole final, delaying it for a year, not even knowing if, not even knowing what players are going to be available a week before. Yeah, the rumour of like last year's squad being used, that, that was ridiculous, wasn't it? <laughs> if, you're, if, you're a man, like, if you're a manager, how are, you gonna, how are you meant to plan for it? It's just ridiculous. Well, yeah, not not only that, but, you know, I think Salford have got a different manager this season. Well, exactly. So what, do they get their old manager back? Yeah. I mean, how does even, that work? Even the fact that it's it's three o'clock on a Saturday when every other game's on, there's not even, like, even EFL attention on it, like... It's just going to be another game, isn't it? That's so poor. They haven't even. I assume they haven't moved it to say the early kickoff on Sky because Sky has already done the schedule and and, and they couldn't pull it. Like, so even who's going to even remember to watch it? Like, if you're, it's just yeah. the whole thing's baffling to me. It just they should have just scrapped this final, shouldn't they? But obviously they've got got um, commercial contracts to fulfil, so you do it. Pompey might win it. Might. Galvanised and both I don't think it will, and I'm I'm very uh, very pessimistic about it. I must admit. Yeah, um, lads, we'll, we'll wrap up here then. But do you want to give your predictions? I tell you what, give us your predictions for the final. And I think I know Freddie's thoughts on us here already. Like, well, just <laughs> where do you think they'll end up this season? Inside the playoffs or outside? Um, in terms of the league outside the playoffs, um, I predicted seventh before the season. I think that's a reasonable <laughs> position for them um, in terms of the final I still think they've got enough to beat Salford if Portsmouth win that game 2-1 you'll be, I'll be happy and there could be something to build on from that yeah I feel for the final like it could be look it could be I think 2-1 is, is a is a favourable prediction if it's 2-1 in a sense that Salford score first and we get two back I don't see it that way I think it would only be 2-1 if we took the lead first um I, I feel, I feel we got. I feel we are going to concede, um, but I also don't want to be boring and say the same thing as Freddie. But you know, I've, I've got to say what I think, so I'm going to go two-one as well. Two-one. Well, oh, and oh, and sorry, playoffs, playoffs as well. Yeah, sorry, playoffs as well. I forgot you asked me about that as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to be the blind optimist and say we're going to steal sixth spot in the playoffs. And then we're going to crash out in the semi-finals like we always do. <laughs> finally, we'll go to you. Freddie, this week, was dubbed the most pessimistic Pompey fan. I may be perfect slightly now, but <laughs> you're giving, I think you're giving Freddie a run for his money. What do you reckon? <laughs> I do think they'll win on, on Saturday. He should have enough to, to be solved. I'll echo the, the latter sentiments. And a clean sheet, they need to be just as big, I think, as the win. Um, I'll go for 2-0 win. Terms of the league, 
they should have enough to, to finish in the playoffs, you think. Look at the squad. I know, I know it's what Tom Eden said. It means nothing, but I think they should have enough. But boils down to the fact that you can't go into a playoff campaign when you've got no momentum behind you. And I say what Ben says, four playoff games on the jacket, not one win. Who are they going to be playing in the playoffs? Likely going to be Sunderland or Hull. Or, sorry, Lincoln or Hull, probably. Um, out of them, you'd probably want to face Lincoln, wouldn't you? I know. Um, George Grant's out. Yeah, George Grant's out. And Hull have probably kept a lot of their championship players, haven't they? So, and maybe they might peter out as well um, as, the season, as the season goes on. So, if they play Lincoln in the semis, I'm going to say Pompey will nick it and get to the playoff final. <laughs> First time ever. First time ever. But then, <laughs> who knows at Wembley then after that. So, I'll, um, I'll keep my cards close to the chest on that one. Family <laughs> just going back to your pessimism. Has it hit rock bottom then, or is there any glimmer of hope in the horizon for you? Uh, I'll talk about next season under a new manager. I, th- I think the problem is that a lot of a lot of the the problems in the side that we've talked about over this last forty minutes. They're all problems of previous seasons, and I think that's what's frustrated people the most. Is that these things haven't been fixed tactically. The team on paper is excellent and should get promoted, but it's very, it's incredibly unlikely. I think it's impossible at this point, just just because of um, the fact that the, the tactical formation isn't there and the behind the scenes stuff means that means morale is at rock bottom. I don't see it. I, I 100% want to be wrong, obviously, but it looks bleak, doesn't it? Anybody want to finish on a positive note? But may as well at least try. <laughs> the picture, the picture at Fratton Park was very nice on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> compared to, yeah, now I'm being serious. I'm being serious compared uh-huh. to compared to um, some of the other pictures I've seen on Quest. Like Peterborough's pitch is horrendous. So the groundsmen have done incredibly well to maintain it throughout the season. Since so many other teams have just left it to rot, essentially. Good stuff. Well, that's as positive as it's going to be. <laughs> Complimenting the pets. So we'll take that. We'll definitely take that. <laughs> Lads, it's been great hearing from you. It's been great hearing your thoughts. Gives us and all our perspectives um, on the situation of Pompey. We really appreciate your time joining us this evening. And hopefully we'll maybe get you back on at some stage and make this a regular occurrence. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me as well. Unfortunately, well, you're booked in for the next one. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, got to go through it all over again. I've probably got to dissect another, another plim- uh, piece of a defeat of an ice hole. Let's not go in the mood again. So thank you all again for your contribution and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll be back again soon. Have a good evening. Goodbye. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for everything you need to know about Pompey.